Yeah, Mission Impossible, that's what it is. I've lost my, where was I? (laughs) There used to be a a, a TV show called Mission Impossible that that starred uh, a guy named Peter Graves. You've probably seen him in some other other movies. He played uh, Impossible Mission Force agent Jim Phelps. Uh, And when I was a kid, I loved to watch the series Mission Impossible. And, And I think my favorite part of the movie, and I'll be honest, I've not seen the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, so I don't know. What, how that worked out, or even what his name was in that in, in the movies, but but in the old TV series, it would start off and 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 Agent Jim Fells would be doing something, and he would kind of odd. He would find a tape recorder somewhere, and and he would punch the tape recorder, and and it would start talking to him, and basically it would say, Jim, this is your mission. If you choose to accept it, if you choose to accept it, this is your mission. And then once it had had given the details, he was supposed to do this impossible stuff and find this secret Soviet agent and take him out, whatever it might be. The end of that, remember what it said at the very end of the tape, anyone? This, I thought it was 10. 5, 10, somewhere. This tape will self-destruct in 10 seconds, 5 seconds. And then, magically, it would just, would, would, would catch on fire, go up in smoke. And now, now, I found a couple inconsistencies with that. Now, um, Two or three. Here's one of them. If if you needed to self-destruct that tape, why was it just laying out where anyone could find it? I mean, he always would find it somewhere, but couldn't anyone have found that and, and listened to it? Secondly, did it really need to just blow up? Just take the tape out. I mean, take the tape, erase it, pull it apart, destroy the tape. You didn't have to do the whole tape recorder. But there were a couple other uh, a couple other inconsistencies. Now, there was 171 episodes of Mission Impossible. And I'll be honest, I didn't see all of them. Saw a lot of them, but I didn't see all of them. And and it always said, uh, if you choose, your mission if you choose to take it or accept it, Jim. Now, all the episodes I saw, and I assumed all 171, he accepted the mission. In fact, he was part of the Mission Impossible force. That was his job to accept the mission. So... Really, why did they say, if you choose? He always he had to choose it. And the second thing, now again, I didn't see all 171 episodes, but every episode that I saw, and, I, and we'll add movies, Tom Cruise movies to it, I think it's the same there, he always accomplished the mission. So apparently it wasn't impossible. Uh, hard, yes. Uh, difficult, yeah. Did it take dedication? You bet. Was it possible? Well, apparently so, because uh, he accomplished it each time. Um, we're, we're going to look in, in uh, the book of First Peter again this morning. Uh, and, and I wonder if the listeners, those that, that were touched by this, this lesson, I, I wonder if those believers didn't wonder uh, if Peter was calling them to an impossible mission. If what he was calling them to was just too difficult and, and almost to the point of being impossible. I, I wonder if they felt like he was saying, this is your mission if you choose to accept it. You have to live as strangers, as exiles, um, uh, as sojourners. You have to, uh, you have to face persecution that's going to become that's already there, but it's going to come even worse. Uh, and this is your mission if you choose to accept. I wonder if they weren't weren't wondering as as Peter gave this letter to them, as they read, encouraged by that. I'm wondering if they weren't weren't challenged that their mission was almost impossible. That their mission was difficult. What was it impossible? No, we know that. Uh, in, in fact, Peter 
must have been wondering as he wrote this letter and, and realizing that for them it was a challenge. And that was part of it. He was, he was talking about reality. Hey, this is what's coming. This is what you're going to be facing. This is what, what I'm calling you to. Uh, it's gonna, it's not gonna be easy. I'm not painting a simple picture, a, a, a glad picture here. It's gonna be tough, but, but it is possible for you to stand up under all of this. And I wonder, I wonder if Peter, remembering the words of Jesus, because back in, actually it's recorded several different places, but Matthew 19, 26, uh, I wonder if he didn't remember the words of Jesus when, when Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I wonder if that wasn't influencing Peter's thinking as he wrote this, this letter that challenged them to a mission that seemed difficult, that seemed hard, that seemed almost impossible, but he knew they could fulfill it. Uh, we're going to look this morning in First Peter chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to verse 8, look there first and read a few verses and, and then go on from there. But the first thing we're going to look at is that we are called, I think Peter, Peter reads out this mission for us, that we are called to be devoted. We are called to be devoted. If you have your Bibles, follow along, First Peter chapter 3, Starting with verse 8, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because, now catch this, because to this you were called. Basically, that what he's saying there is this is your mission. This is what you, you've been called to do. For this you've been called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. We are called, we are called to be Voted. Notice what he says there in verse in verse eight, and and there's a, there's a little bit of application there. He says, "Finally, all of you." Now he says it that way because just previous to this, he had been talking to some specific groups. He had been talking to slaves. He had been talking to uh, to men, and he had been talking to women. So he had he had isolated out some groups and given specific instruction. So so he's changing course here, and he's becoming all inclusive with his his, his talking. And, and so he says, finally, all of you, all of you live in harmony. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate, be humble. There's, there's really three ways that we can interpret this section as to what he's talking about, who he's talking to, how he wants us to apply it. We, we can look at verse 8 and say in verse 8 that he's talking to the church. In, in verse 8 when he says, be sympathetic and humble and, and uh, love as brothers and live in... He could have been talking directly to the church. When he gets in verse 9, when he says, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, so some people believe in verse 9 he switched gears and now he's talking uh, uh, about the church facing persecution. So when we face persecution, when, when, when we suffer for being a Christian, that's the attitude that we have to have. Or, or third view, and this is kind of where I fall on it, a third view is that it's, it's kind of a mixture. I think he's talking to both at the same time. I think he starts, and, and he's, he's applying this to the church. Church, this, this is supposed to be true within the body of Christ, but it's also true as you face other stuff. Let's put it in the vernacular of today. Let's put it in eclipse terminology. So the, 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 the strip of totality, three minutes and 
Leah, 48 seconds? Two minutes and 48. Is that right? 238. Let's get it, yeah. That strip of totality that we're going to see with the eclipse, hopefully see, that, that strip of totality, I think that's the church. I, I, think, I, I think the number one application here, I, I think the, the best way that we can take all of this is it starts within the body of Christ. So that's the totality. Now, now the partial eclipse, the outside areas where you're going to see it, but, but maybe it's not 100% applied. I, I, I think it's this idea that it does apply to us in our relationship with other stuff. So, so if persecution comes our way, if trials come our way, if difficulties come our way, and specifically as he's talking to the churches there, the Christians there, uh, as they face persecution, I, I, I think it's, it's a dual application with, with the main application being towards uh, the, the church. We're called to be de- devoted then, uh, and, and let me look at that a couple ways. We're called to be devoted to believers. Uh, so if he's talking in verse 8 to, church, to, to the church, if that's our, our focus application, finally, all of you, church, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love us, brothers, be compassionate, humble. We've heard, we've heard language like that before. Uh, we heard it from Jesus. I, I know I've, I've used this verse many times, but John chapter 13, 34 and 35, a, a new command I give you, you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. If you love one another, isn't that really what Jesus is saying, the same as, as, as Peter here, that your focus needs to be towards believers. We need to be devoted. Paul addressed it in, in his book to the church at Galatia in, in chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Our first mission, church, if you want to take on a mission, our first mission is to care about and care for fellow believers. Now, now this isn't our only mission, uh, but this is our first mission. Uh, we're going to have other missions that sprout from that, uh, that, that go from that, that actually are going to sometimes require even more faith and more dedication and more encouragement. But our first mission, where it starts here, is, is to care about and care for one another. Now, the problem is sometimes churches get stuck there, and that's all they do is they just look inward and we stay right there. We need to start there, but also look out. So don't miss that point. But our first mission is to care about. If we are, if we have been changed by the power of Jesus' love, if the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as, as Paul talked about in Ephesians, where, where it's, a, it's a seal, it's a guarantee of, of our salvation. It marks us as belonging to Him. If, if we've been encouraged and impacted by His grace, to reach out and embrace, encourage, and have empathy for empathy for fellow believers, then how can we expect if if that doesn't affect us with our our believers with with our church? How can how can we expect to be able to handle persecution and trials and, and, and heartache and struggles if we don't first hit that first our starting point, our first mission? actually prepares us it's what empowers us to go on to bigger missions it's what gives us the strength to move on to to move mountains and and, and impact not just our community but a world uh, but we start by being sensitive to one another to be sensitive within the church now let me make let me make two quick app well i don't know if they'll be quick but let me make a couple applications here's here's the first one we are called to be an encourager N- notice those words i've said them two or three times Harmony, 
sympathetic, love as brothers, compassionate, humble. Uh, as we wrap those words up together, aren't those words calling us to be encouragers? So, so in the body of Christ, instead of instead of seeing and noticing and and pointing out particularly the negative stuff, well, it was too hot in the church today. It was too cold in the church today. The music was too loud. Well, you know what? They really, the music needs to be louder. Uh, uh, there, the, the greeter was too friendly. Well, the greeter wasn't friendly enough. Well, the sermon was too long. Or the sermon was too short. I don't rarely get that complaint, by the way. But, but instead of in, instead of being that, if if we took on as our mission, if you made it your mission to be an encourager, what would happen in the church if, if, if as you walked in the back door or you headed up to church, and, and each one of you, as you walked into church, you found a tape recorder there. You're like, hmm, I wonder what's this. And you remember there's always usually an envelope underneath the pictures. Now, now let me... Let me rephrase this, because some of you are thinking, what is a tape recorder? You keep talking about a tape recorder. What's that? So let me, let me put it. You get a text message, because that's how God would, would, would talk to us now. That's how Jim Phelps would receive it now. I guess that's pro- I don't know how, how Tom Cruise got it. But, but you're walking into church, and your, your phone beeps, and you get a text message. Excuse me. This, ooh, this is from God. i got to take this. And you look on there. <laughs> I won't show the text message my wife's. She's got a picture of her sending me kisses and hearts and thank you, honey. And uh, that's the joke from her earlier. But you're looking at the text message and God's calling you to a mission. Wow. And what he's saying is to encourage. Okay. And, and as you scroll down through the text, there's pictures. And, and you look there and there's a, there's, there's a picture of a, there's a picture of a widow. And as, as the text describes, God says, you know what? She's very discouraged. No one visited her this week. She hasn't spoken to anyone since last Sunday morning. Make it, make it your goal to encourage her. Maybe even ask her if she needs some help. Do you need your yard mowed? Your leaves raked? Or can I take you out to lunch one day? Or, or you scroll through and there's a picture of a young mother with three or four kids. And she looks kind of, well, you know that look, moms, when you have three or four kids with that, that, oh. Look, and, and that's the picture. I mean, she just looks a little harried, and, 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 and your, your text says, encourage her. Let, let her know she's doing a good job. Point out, man, your kids were well-behaved, even though she thinks she's terribly behaved. Man, your kids were well-behaved. Or, or maybe there's a picture of a Sunday school teacher, and, and there's discouragement written all over the face. And, and your, your job is, hey, encourage that Sunday school teacher. Let them know that, that you appreciate if they're teaching your kids, that you appreciate them pouring their, their heart and their life into your kids, or if they're teaching you as adults, that, that you appreciate the time that they take for that. And, and, and let, me, let me just talk, toss this in there. God might have as an aside to that. Hey, hey you know how you can encourage your Sunday school teacher? Uh, be in class. When, when you show up, that is the greatest encouragement to a Sunday school teacher is to have your faith. Do you realize that, that that's something you can actually do that is encouraging? So what if, what if we walked in the, the church or whenever the church gets together or whenever you see the church outside the confines of this building, what if it, you made it your mission, made it your mission to encourage, to, 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 
to let someone know that you see them, that you hear them, that you know their struggles, or that you appreciate their blessing and and encourage them with that. Wouldn't wouldn't our mission be pretty cool if if we became all of us encouragers? See, when we when we start in the body of Christ to encourage one another, um, th- then it prepares us to grow out and do even bigger things. In in Hebrews chapter ten twenty three, we're, we're told, "Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds." See, see, the next step after just encouraging someone is to encourage them in their faith, in their walk, and encourage them to love and encourage them to good deeds. The the second thing I see there is is maybe we're called to show compassion. Uh, compassion literally means to be afflicted with. When we have compassion, we're afflicted with the person that's struggling, that's hurting, that's that that maybe is going through joy. We're we're afflicted with them. We understand. I I may have told this story. If I have, I apologize. I'm sure there's someone here that hasn't heard it. But but when when we were little, I don't know. We uh, I, I was probably second, third grade, something like that. Uh, my, my sister, Mindy, I have a twin sister, Mindy. I, she was here a month or two ago. And my, my twin sister, Mindy, and my cousin, Benny, and I think there might have been a couple other guys, we, we were over at our neighbor's house playing on their swing set because we were too poor to have a swing set. And uh, uh, we, we had a tire swing at one time, but Dad took the tire off to put it on his car, I think. So, um, so that's how poor. But, so the neighbors were away, so we were playing on their swing set. And uh, and my sister Mandy, now I don't know this. She was she she was playing on the swing set in a dress, and she was sliding down the swing, and her dress caught on a bolt on the side of the swing, and it flipped her off, and off the swing, and she was hanging off the swing off the slide. Excuse me, I said swing off the slide. She was hanging off the slide by her dress, and somehow it had where it caught it was choking her. I mean, it literally was choking the, the, the life out of her. I, I would love to tell you that the way I responded was with compassion, that I was afflicted with my sister. There's my twin. She's hurting. I would love to say that I ran over and I put her on my shoulder and I, I, I lifted her off and, and gently laid her on the ground and are you okay, Mindy? But but that's not what happened. Benny and, and myself and whoever else, we... We stood there and pointed at her like, wow, look at Mindy. She's dangling off the slide. That's, that is funny. And when finally her dress ripped, it was the only thing that saved her life, I guess. Her dress ripped. We, we ran over to her and, and there's a picture somewhere that she has of her face, all the blood vessels in her face popped and she is just polka dot with blood vessels. And we stood over and laughed at her. Look, look at all those polka dot. I, I wish I could say I'd been afflicted that I had compassion for, but obviously I didn't. It, it, it's been a, a, a couple of years ago when Reed and I were attending church at uh, Central Christian Church in St. Joe. We were sitting in our Sunday school class, and I don't remember what the lesson was about that day necessarily, but but the lesson spurred me to think about this. In that class, and I don't know, there was probably 15 or 18 of us in the in that Sunday school class. Just in that in that little Sunday school class, there was a lady that was had been a widow. She had been remarried, but she had been a widow at a young age. Her husband was was killed in a farm accident when when she was probably early 30s, had three small children. There was a widow in the class. There was a couple people that had suffered through very nasty divorces uh, and, and, and had, had, had 
had problems with that. There, there were a couple of people that had some major health problems. A couple of them that had cancer had been fighting that. There was a guy that was really struggling with his job and, 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 and was, was trying to find a better job so he could, could get insured. Just all kind. There, there were ones in that room that had overcome and, and were still struggling with addiction. And so sitting in just that little classroom, all Christians, all believers in that little classroom, there were so many people who had hurt, so many people who had struggled. And in church, we are called, we are called, it is our mission to live in harmony, to, um, to be sympathetic, to love, to be compassionate, to be humble. It is our, it is our calling, it is our mission uh, to be devoted to to one another within the body and see that church. I, I think there's a couple things that we need to do for this. Number one, when we are hurting, we have to share that. I, I know we come in on Sunday mornings and 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 the, the the mental expectation that we we have when we walk in is that we want everyone to think that we've got it together. We want even though our marriages may be falling apart, we want no one to think that. Even though we may have some real issues at work, we don't want any, how's the job going? It's wonderful. It's going great. We don't want to let, to let anyone see our hurt and our, our, our pain. Uh, but, but the only way that I can be afflicted with you, the only way I can walk in compassion with you is if I know about it. And secondly, guys, as a church, we need to do a, a better job of sharing our own stories of victory. Because the truth is, there are victory after victory sitting in these pews today. There's someone, I don't know who you are, that has overcome addiction. addiction. And you can tell a story of, you know what, I was struggling with that, but God gave me victory. There's a marriage that was on the rocks, and you were close to divorce, but God gave you victory. And you can share the story that, you know what, we were just about there. We were going to go see a lawyer, but God gave us victory. There's some people here that have had health issues. I know that. There's a lot of you that have had that, that God has given you victory over that. The, the reality is, guys, if we share those, be willing to talk about them, tell me about them so I can share them, whatever it might be, so that other people can know that they're not the only one. Because see, that's what happens. We walk in, and you're struggling with addiction. You think you're the only one. There's no one else in this church that's ever had that problem. Your marriage is falling apart. There's no, look at all these marriages. Man, they are happy, and they're happy, and they're, you guys aren't sitting, none of you are sitting by each other, but... <laughs> They were, they're happy, you know. All these, I'm the only, we're the only marriage that's fighting. We're the only one that yelled at each other until we got to the parking lot and, and then we put our Christian smiles on and came in. You know, truth is, church, if we, if we talk about that, then, then at least people who are hurting can know there's someone I can go to. And they can come to Tim and Reed and say, yeah, you guys went through a hard time. Tell me about it. And know that they're not alone. And, and, and that's the only way we can be afflicted with you. So, so church, let's, it's kind of a two-way street. We have to be transparent about our struggles. And oddly enough, church, we struggle with this. We have to be transparent about our victories. Uh, we're called, um, we're called to be devoted to believers. We're called, uh, I said this was quick. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to hurry along here. The, we're called to be devoted to, to our believers. We're called to be devoted to the blessing. Notice what he says there. Uh, verse 9. I don't like verse 9, by the way, just, just so you know. I, I bet you're not going to like it either. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Now, now if he's just talking about persecution, that's hard enough. But if he's, 
but I think he's talking again also about church. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Blessing there means a good word. So, so one of the things I, I thought about, well, what does that mean? If I'm called to face insult or rebuke or someone gives me a difficult, I'm, I'm, the way I'm supposed to respond is with a good word. What does that look like? Someone just rips, rips me about something. I'm supposed to say, man, you're, did you get your hair cut? Your hair looks nice today. Have you lost weight? Man, you're looking trim. Uh, Gary, you're growing back. I noticed that today. You're, we're on our way there again, right? Oh, we're not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but that exactly is what he's called us to. And again, let's start in the church. So in the church, and I, I know it, this shouldn't need to be applied in the church, but we know it does. When we face insult or evil or discouragement, let's respond to it, as Peter said, what? With a good word, with a, a, a blessing. Seems that I remember Jesus talking about that a little bit. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to them the other. Someone uh, calls you to walk a mile, carry their pack a mile, then don't just do that, carry it a second mile. Seems like Jesus talked a little little bit about that. The reality is, guys, is we, if if we respond with a good word, man, we can diffuse so much stuff. Now, I, I don't like to use myself as too many illustrations except for bad ones, but but I was at an elders meeting at Russell years ago, and I had an elder that got upset with me. Um, now, in my thinking, he was way out of line. <laughs> I mean, he it was ridiculous what he was saying, but but he got mad, and, and he was a guy that didn't get mad. So when he's mad, he's I mean, something really got a bird got under his saddle on something. But 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 he he kind of verbally attacked me in the the meeting. Um, and I'll tell you what was going on on the inside. On the inside, I was thinking, you're an idiot. You know, uh, you're not supposed to say that, are you? But that's what I was thinking. I didn't say it. I was thinking that. And because I'm thinking, you are wrong. I, you're way off. That's what, and, and, and I don't necessarily like conflict. In fact, I kind of shy away from conflict when I can. And so my stomach was turning and I, I mean, I was getting nervous. And because I don't like that, particularly when it's <laughs> shot at me, definitely. And, and every once in a while, the spirit is stronger than, than my, my, my man, than my natural self. And that was one of those times where I just, I just looked at him and say, okay, I understand. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't even know exactly what I said, but ba- basically I, I was just really soft and gentle with my answer. Man, I wanted to slap him. You don't really do that in elders meetings, but, um, if you want to stay employed anyway. And, but, but, I, man, I was upset, but, but I didn't let on. And, and, and it wasn't me speaking with, with God, all things are possible, because that's a time that God spoke. And, and it was funny to watch. It's almost like someone pulled a plug on his anger, and his anger just, when I didn't respond in, in, in same, same way. And I, maybe that's what Peter's talking about here. Instead of insult for insult, rebuke with rebuke, anger with anger, why not offer a good word, a blessing? Lest we think, um, let's think Peter was kind of high-minded here. Uh, Peter knew what it was like to go through those struggles. In, in Acts chapter 5, verse 41 and 42, it says this, and Peter's included in this group. 
The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They had been they had been abused, they had been arrested and beaten, and they left excited that God had given them that opportunity. That was an attitude of giving a blessing. We're called to be we're called to be devoted. Let me let me quickly here. Secondly, we're called to be different. Verse fifteen. If you have your Bibles, verse 15 says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. This is a verse that I've had underlined in my Bible since I was a kid. It was one of those verses that we were taught, hey, you got to be ready to defend your faith. And so I've always had an underline, kind of went from that mindset, you got to be ready to talk about your faith and defend it. But but let me share a couple things just quickly. Notice what it says there. If anyone asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, see the, the world needs to see our hope. They, they need to see our hope. Isn't our world struggling to see hope? As we watch the news and we see all the garbage that's happening and we see alt-right and alt-left fighting one another, and we see white supremacists and Black Lives Matter, and they're screaming. We see Antifa and, and Trump supporters. Man, can you just look at that and say, "Where's the, none of them have hope. Where's the hope? And, and we're called to live in such a way that people will ask us to share, hey, you're different. Tell me about the hope that you have. It's been a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. We were in St. Louis. Uh, my my niece got uh, got married, and uh, uh, we we're all staying downtown St. Louis in in a, 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 a nice hotel. And I got up early that Saturday morning before uh, uh, before Rita and, and uh, some of the rest of my family, and just started walking. What um, we were down just a block or two from the Arch, a few couple blocks from Bush Stadium, and so so I walked around uh, Bush Stadium, walked down by the Arch, and walked several blocks in St. Louis, and, and I came to a street corner, and, and the, the light was red, and under the light was the walk, don't walk sign, and it was red, illuminated, do not walk, and I stopped there, and with me on that street corner, I don't know, there was about eight other people standing on that street corner, and we're all we're doing the same thing, we're looking at that light, some of us would glance over to see the light from the other way, you know, and when we saw it turn yellow, we, we knew what was going to happen, the light we were facing was going to turn green, the do not walk was going to turn to a white walk. And sure enough, it turned green. And, and we all started to do this, but the do not walk sign stayed illuminated. And so we stepped back on the curb. And, and we were all out of town. Or said we'd been St. Louis people, we obviously would have just kept, kept on going. But we were all out of town, or tourist types, and we all stand there. It's supposed to be walk, but it wasn't walk. Do not walk, but it, the light's green, and there's no, and it's Saturday morning downtown, there's no traffic anywhere. And, and I look, and, and everyone's kind of looking around at each other, and finally, and I'm not normally this much of a leader, but I, I finally thought, forget this. And I stepped off the curve and started walking across. And you know what everyone else did? Followed. They knew they were supposed to go. They knew they really had permission, but they were waiting for someone to lead. They were waiting for someone to give them some, actually some hope. 
The funny thing is it happened on the next street corner as well. That time none of us hesitated. We're going. Lights green, we don't care. Now we did glance, make sure there was no police, but we, we, we kept on going. See, the world needs to see our hope and they need to see our heart. I'll talk about that as we finish up here. We're called, we're also called to be delivered. Verse 18. For Christ died for our sins once for all, for the righteous and for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He put to death in the body, uh, I'm going to have to get a, a, a bigger text in my Bible or better glasses. <laughs> Let me start over again. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. We we were were righteous for the unrighteous. He became the righteous for the unrighteous, and it puts it in perspective. You see, it's all about perspective. How can we be on this impossible mission unless we're delivered by Christ? That's, that's what it's about. He, he put to death. We, we are given life. We are delivered by the righteous dying for the unrighteous. I, I read a book a, a while back by a, a young man named Caleb Kaltenbach. Caleb has written a book called Messy Grace. He has an interesting story. Caleb went to college with my oldest son, Brian. I've met him a couple times, and, and Brian's the one that connected me uh, with, with his book. Brian, uh, Caleb has an interesting story. His, uh, his parents, when he was about four, year old, four years old, were divorced, and, and he, he lived part of the time with his mom, part of the time with his dad. His, his mom lived in Kansas City. His dad was a professor at MU and, and lived in Columbia, Missouri. It was shortly after his parents' divorce that they both came out as being uh, as being gay, his mother lesbian and his dad a, a homosexual man, and so he was raised most of the time by his mother and her partner. And he said he grew up going, and this was during a volatile time. Said grew up, grew up going to gay right uh, parades. Uh, his his mom and her partner would take them to rallies, and so he said he grew up going to bars where they would meet together and and to rallies and gatherings and all kinds of stuff. And and, and he remembers that his his mom told him over and over again that Christians hated gay people. And so he grew up thinking that. And he said that he was probably a teenager when he found out for himself what that meant. He was in a gay pride parade in Kansas City with his mom. And when they came to the end of the parade, there was a group of, a group of Christians, if I do air quotes there, a group of Christians that were throwing water and some of them throwing urine on the gay pride marchers. And his mom looked at him and said, see, Caleb, I told you, that Christians hate us. He said uh, when, when he was in high school, he went to a, a Bible study. And, and his purpose of going to the Bible study was to, to actually jab his Christian friends. He was going to go there and kind of ask tough questions that he knew they couldn't answer and, and kind of give them a hard time. But a strange thing happened when he went to the, the Bible study with those Christians. He got converted and he became a Christian. When, when a few months later he came out to his parents, that he was a Christian, they they disowned him. Now, not literally, he didn't go to the street, but they wouldn't talk to him for weeks uh, at, a, at a time. Caleb went on after high school to go to Ozark Christian College, which is where my son met him. And, and, and he began to preach at a small little church in southern Missouri. And, and one Sunday, his mom came uh, to the church that he was preaching as a little country church. And, and uh, 
she came to the service. The next Sunday, Caleb said he pulled up to this small church, and when he got there, there was one of the elders sitting out in, in front waiting for him, and, and they said, Caleb, we need to talk to you. And they took him back in the back, and in the back room, there were all the elders of the church gathered around a table, and they sat down and said, Caleb, your mom was here last week, and we're, we're happy that you invited her, but she's not welcome back. We, we and I think his quote was, we don't want her kind here. Caleb said, okay. And he walked out of the church, never to go back to that church again. Caleb's story takes an interesting turn. Years later, his both his parents became Christians. Both his parents, independently and separate, ended up moving to Dallas where he was pastoring at the time and ended up becoming a Christian and 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 still struggles, still have issues, but 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 put their faith in Christ. And and he said, one time I asked my mom, I said, Mom, what changed your heart? What caused your heart to change? And she said, catch this, she said, it was the way people treated me. She said, I know some of them were uncomfortable, but it's the way they treated me. They accepted me. And they loved me. We are called to be devoted. It starts with the body. It starts with us as believers expands out, but we're called to be devoted to one. We're called to be different. The world needs to see our hope. We're called to be different, and we're called to live delivered lives, to, to live in such a way that people see Christ in us. They see our love. Is it possible? Well, it may seem like an impossible mission at times. Impossible mission for us to love people that aren't lovable, to accept people that maybe we don't accept. But God has called us to a possible mission through his power. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you this morning that your spirit is here, that we are encouraged by your, your, uh, your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Father, I thank you that we have this body. Lord, I pray for your blessing and protection over us. Father, our mission starts, our first mission starts right here. And Lord, if you can teach us to love one another and, and, and to, to forgive one another and to reach out and embrace one another, encourage one another, Father, then it, it just blossoms from here. And Lord, then you give us greater missions than this. You give us missions that would impact our community and, and impact our state and impact our world. Father, I thank you that you have given us victory. You have delivered us from the power of Satan, the power of the evil one, and you make possible missions that seem impossible. Lord, help us be a people who are called to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to challenge you to a mission. I don't know what that mission might be, but, but let me just challenge you to a simple one. Just start out by trying to be an encourager, by trying to have compassion. Starting here in the body of Christ. You know what, that, that's something that you can make a true mission every Sunday, to walk in and find one person one person that you can change that day, one person that you can lift up, one person that you can give encouragement to, that you can hug on, one person that you can say, I appreciate what you're doing, and lift them up and fulfill your mission in Christ. Would you stand as we stand?